The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Well, hello, everybody. And this is the normal Where is Suzanne this week uh, discussion. I was just saying to Ty, I can't even believe where we are. We're in North Carolina. Just last week, we were in Rhode Island. And we're in Boone, North Carolina, for a very special event today. We just uh, stopped by Appalachian State University, where we visited a veterans memorial for past students of Appalachian State. and. We just recently found out that a professor had found out that our Susan was a student here in Boone, and she was killed on active duty and made sure she got added to that memorial. So it was a very touching day for us today to stop by and see her name there on that memorial, but very beautiful, a beautiful gesture by the university to do that, and we're grateful been a bit of a chaotic week, did not expect to end up here in North Carolina yet. Uh, it's interesting that I was supposed to teach my mediumship class at the Monroe Institute in Virginia and was very disappointed thanks to the hurricane, Hurricane Florence. It was canceled, but my guide, Sanaya, reminded me all is well. They said, watch how it unfolds. And uh, so yesterday we were in hurricane avoidance mode and heading west and south very quickly, had to get up early, and I decided for once to wait and meditate later. I, I Every day I tried to get a message from my guides first thing in the morning, and my guide said to me, we will talk to you later, use one of our extra messages, which is funny because every once in a while they give me two messages, and I just put one in reserve. So, okay, I went and I chose the very top message, and it was right on topic for today's show. It was all about putting up with disappointments and what do you do when things don't go as planned. So, let me tell you about today's show. Our guest is Curtis Childs, who I know many of you listening have heard of. Curtis is, I would say, an expert on Emanuel Swedenborg. He's the digital media producer at the Swedenborg Foundation and host of the weekly web series Swedenborg and Life on the Off the Left Eye YouTube channel. 
He combines his desire to help others with his educational background by producing inspirational and thought-provoking video content for spiritual seekers of various backgrounds from all over the world. And today's show is going to focus on the Swedenborg's concept of divine providence, of how all the elements in our lives, even those that seem chaotic and negative, like hurricanes interrupting your plans, in the end can turn out for good that we are often secretly being led to the best possible outcome, whatever the appearance of the means. So a very different topic for us today. Very quickly, why did I get interested in Swedenborg? Because he showed up in my life a few months ago, giving me evidence about his background that I had no idea applied to him, went online and found out all of it was true. So I I knew who I was feeling, but to have it validated by giving me facts and finding them online was just uh, kind of mind-blowing to me. And he followed that up with some teaching, and so I started looking at the Swedenborg Foundation website, found Curtis's work, was fascinated, invite him to be on the show. So I want to be quiet now and let Curtis do the talking because he knows so much about Swedenborg and is just You'll see a great guy to listen to. So, Curtis, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I will, I will um, try to, uh, you know, talk like I know a lot about the subject. <laughs> I've set you up, haven't I? Yeah. So, your your biography online speaks of a lifelong interest in Swedenborg. I'm just a baby. I mean, I'm just... Uh, getting to know him, even though he tells me he's been part of my team of guides for almost 10 years. That really blew me away, but nobody in the group had differentiated themselves until lately. Where did, how did your interest in him start? Yes. So I have had uh, the, I'd say the benefit of being exposed to Swedenborg's ideas since I was very young. I actually grew up in a, uh, attending a church that was like a Swedenborgian church. There are a few of those around. Swedenborg's Mm -hmm. message has spawned like a whole bunch of different kinds of iterations of people saying, how can we take these ideas and make life better with them? So some people go into, you know, um, literature and art and try to express it that way. Some people go into social reform and try to do it that way. And some people think, okay, let's let's make a, a new kind of church and religious system with it. So I happen to, to know of Swedenborg um, through that since I was little, um, but Swedenborg, and I know that, you know, you, you in, in encountering a bit, um, some people might think, how could you possibly stay interested in Swedenborg for a whole lifetime? Because it's like, it, it can be dry and it can be intellectual sounding. And I don't mean like, oh, it's, it's so smart, but just that there's a lot of terminology and there is a lot of explanation and things are very set and ordered. Um, so it's even for people who are interested in the concepts, you can sometimes get in there and start thinking, you know, this is, I, I got to do a U-turn and, and get back to something more palatable. But for me, um, having sort of a propensity and an interest in it anyway, and then as I grew and I started to need help, as many people do as they grow and life starts to hit you harder and that sort of bliss of childhood fades away and, and, and things happen, I began really needing some spiritual tools and, and ways to understand the life that I was going through, ways to cope with uh, the mental landscape, you know, the thoughts and the feelings. I started to get uh, deal, struggle a lot with depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, all this sort of stuff. 
was just streaming, you know, piling in. And I was like, how do you navigate this? And what is true? And why is life like this? And I, I knew of Swedenborg, but there was a certain point at which it began to co- become not just um, another sort of literary character, but this is real. Like he's telling me, the, he's giving me the inside scoop on how my own mind works. And as I began to unpack the tools and apply them, I was re- just started to realize this is the best, this is the best medicine that I've come across. And so that, in turn, I think once you've been through something, you get inspired to try to help other people who are going through similar things. So I decided, hey, I've got to try to show people that wait, there is something here that's worth knowing and that is applicable and and, and that hopefully can solve problems that, that are hard to solve. So that's the, the short story of why I'm in the Swedenborg game. Well, I'm glad you are. And as you're talking, though, I'm realizing that, that we kind of skipped over who he was and who he is because he clearly still exists uh, from the conversations I've had with them. I want to tell you who are listening, what he told me when I said, tell me about you, because I only, I think you were a philosopher, right? And he said he was, of course, a philosopher and an eminent scientist in my day. I did have an intimate connection across the veil. I did espouse philosophy, born into a wealthy family. Uh, He said, I am credited with several inventions, well ahead of my time, but labeled a heretic by some. Curtis, all of that turned out to be true. You were drawn to his spiritually uplifting messages. Does what he shared with me summarize his life in your mind, or how would you characterize who was Swedenborg? I think that's a great summary. I mean, if I if I was a teacher, I'd give you an A on that. I feel like <laughs> if if it weren't for something that happened in his mid fifties. I would be saying Swedenborg and we'd all be saying, oh, yeah, Swedenborg, the scientist, because mm-hmm. he was not just a scientist. He was sort of the scientist at the time or one of the top few that he was at the head of, of all kinds of fields, that he was doing things in anatomy and um, engineering and mining and uh, working with microscopes, just doing everything and doing it really well. Science was actually a lot, it was a lot less complicated back then than it is now. I mean, now you can study your whole life and just only know one little slice of one field. But because a lot of the fields of science were sort of in their infancy back then, you could learn like all of it. And he did. And he was a Renaissance man in that way. And, and so anyway, the point is he was doing great. He had a great career. He was really important uh, to the Swedish government. And Sweden was a world power at the time. Everything was going really well. Scientifically, he was making making all these discoveries and and, and patents and inventions, but then um, you know, mid fifties he began to have this series of what turned into what we would now call spiritual experiences, and at some point it you know the, the dynamic flipped and suddenly the spiritual world became the thing that he cared about telling people about. He, he saw his previous scientific work as important mm-hmm. as laying the foundation that that you couldn't just understand the whole spiritual world if you didn't understand the physical world because the two are part of one big system. And just like, just like you can't really understand biology unless you learn some chemistry and unless you learn some math and physics and everything like that. So too, he didn't say, oh, I wasted my life learning all this physical stuff. No, that was the plane into which the spiritual stuff came. But so long story short, he started talking to angels and spirits and people who had passed on 
and taking tours out of his body into the life after death. And he started writing about it. And that's not the right thing to do if you're worried about your scientific career. And certainly in his time, indeed, you know, and so, so there's a couple things that happened. I mean, basically, I'd say that's why nobody's heard of him because his, the goodwill he'd built up in his standing took such a hit from that. He certainly, the, the stuff he produced afterwards, his, his what have called his theological works or spiritual works, which is really just this 30-year, it's funny, I, I was watching, uh, you know, one of your videos where you talk about, you know, as you do in many of them, sort of your method of you're, you're getting this input, right, from, uh, from the, the other side, and you're writing mm-hmm. it down and cataloging it. That was what he was doing. And he was doing this for, 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 yeah, for, as I said, like three decades and really taking that same scientific mind that had studied everything else and using it to catalog and had pu- published this enormous amount of material on it. The millions of Latin words, it was like 15, 17 volumes or more um, of, of this material. So that went out and had a huge impact on some people. But the uh, the other side of that impact was that he lost his credibility and his Standing and yeah, he was put on his works were put on trial for heresy. He was relatively well connected in the the Swedish House of Nobility, so he wasn't really in danger of being convicted and punished too seriously. But certainly, there was a huge blowback for him, not just because he was like a scientist that was suddenly all you know woo woo and talking about spirits, but mm-hmm. also because he was coming back saying things that now are are acceptable and almost mandatory to say like many different faith traditions can be a path to heaven um that you're supposed to love people outside your own group that wasn't the case in the the mid 1700s in europe it was a a theocracy and that he was going against established doctrine and so that got him in he was he was um kind of getting slack on both sides and as such he got um sort of more rolled into the, the back room of history rather than than out front, but still, you know, it was a prominent influence on a lot of people that we now know today, uh, Helen Keller, uh, Andrew Carnegie, a lot of these people were heavily influenced by Swedenborg. So he lives on, but but not to the extent that I think his ideas merit, which I think is another reason why I'm trying to get him out there, because I think there's a lot of good to be done by these concepts, but there's a lot of, a lot of factors kind of keeping them out of the mainstream, as, not the least of which is they're, they're complex and difficult and all that, but I do think it's worth it. It's like going into a mine and you find these, these valuable things in there. So, so that's, that's who Swedenborg is. I mean, you, you could call him a lot of things, but certainly the defining moment of his career in life was when he switched over to this exploration and cataloging of the other side or the spiritual world. Wow. You all see what I mean? Curtis knows his stuff. This is beautiful. Thank you. I love that you mentioned his influence on Helen Keller because this morning I have to give a shout out to my friend Judson Emmons in Tuscumbia, Alabama, which is where Helen Keller was born. And he wrote to me and he said that Swedenborg gave Helen Keller the perspective that her limitations were the means to opening her inner self. And I have to share a quote really short from Helen Keller. She said, I believe that when the eyes within my physical eyes shall open upon the world to come, I shall simply be consciously living in the country of my heart. Wow, that's cool. Beautiful. So, and you know, Helen Keller was wrote a book called How I Would Help the World, 
and a pamphlet, and it was all about Swedenborg. And actually, she was trying to be almost a missionary for Swedenborg. She was trying to tell everybody about the ideas in his writings and how it helped her and how it could help the world. But it was, a lot of the people close to her were like, hey, get this weird Swedenborg stuff out of there. Like, just focus on the main, the mainstream stuff. Um, so she was, she was trying to make her, her name synonymous with Swedenborg, but, but her, you know, her people were saying, hey, hey ease up on that, the, the, the medium guy. Yeah. And, and in fact, he, uh, Judson wrote, as a result of his influence, Helen Keller has said, I have a joyous sense of immortality, which I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? To get to understand the greater reality. You say you were drawn to a spiritually uplifting messages, which can you summarize any of those that resonated with you the most? Yes, I certainly can. So the, the two that are, have been the most powerful for me our divine providence, which I think we want to talk about here in the show. Yep. And also yep. uh, another huge body of information that I would summarize as don't believe everything you think mm. uh, that his ability to, and if I, if anyone struggled with depression or anything related where you're, you're having, and I think everybody is on the spectrum somewhere there where you're having a barrage of detrimental concepts or narrative or ideas coming at you, his tools for his explanation of what that is and how to navigate it and that sort of thing has been just an amazing crowbar of the mind for me to pry myself out from, from under that stuff. So I think that, that those things, I, I would put those two up there at the top, but there's so much other stuff that I, that I you know, lean on day to day that I, <laughs> I don't want to offend any of the rest of it, but it, it's a lot of good stuff. All right. Well, let's then focus on the topic today of Swedenborg's concept of divine providence. Why don't you again review for everybody what that means? What is divine providence? Well, you had a, actually a, a beautiful summary of it just at the beginning of this show where you had something that you really wanted to do, which was you're going to go to the Monroe Institute and teach a class, which is an exciting venture. And then the physical world conspired against it, you know, this, as, as this hurricane is disrupting the lives of, of so many people, um, it, it disrupted yours, and then you're getting this, and that what would just, and if, if all we had was a material perspective, you'd be thinking, well, I'm trying to build a career and a life for myself, and I'm trying to help people and, 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 and do what I want to do, and oh, now I've suffered this chance loss, and I'm disappointed, you know, but you had your spiritual input saying, hey, relax and watch how it turns out, which is both like a, a, a bomb of hope in the minute, but also has this huge implication, which is that at some level, this stuff that's so seemingly chaotic, and you think about a hurricane as maybe oh, yeah. the emblem of that, just this massive destruction that seems to, it's, it doesn't matter who you are or how good you are or how nice you've been, you're, if you're physically in the path of this thing, it, it wipes you out and it doesn't have any compassion for people who are, it's hard for them to move or they, they don't have the network to get out. It just seems like how could there ever any, be any control in all this chaos? But you're getting that message that says, you know, at, at some level, everything's taken care of. Yeah, that's a tough message. I totally buy into that. This is the teaching that I've been receiving for the past 10 years. And it was immediately that was my thought. You know, you get that feeling of disappointment. And then it's like, no, I can't wait to see what unfolds. It's almost like this feeling like, okay, 
you, that may have been your plan to do the first thing, but you just watch and see what comes of this. And it's not always a good thing, but uh, interesting. Yeah, and it, and it's, what what do it's go ahead, really, Curtis? Go ahead. I just no, it's no. really hard to um, it's really hard to adopt the mindset of okay, I'll, I'll see what's next. Because even me, I go on um, you know YouTube and tell everybody all about Swedenborg and divine providence and don't get worried about stuff. But but even up here uh, in Philadelphia, where I am, we've been having just a ton of rain, and my basement has started to take on water, and I'm sitting here like, okay, don't have the hurricane come north any. You know, we, we can't take it. We're already saturated. So even yeah. there, there's a part of me, there's this, this, and Swedenborg talked about sort of the, the, the internal and the external self, that there's always a part of me that isn't quite going to buy anything that's spiritual. You know, so that part of me is like, wait, no. I know there's nothing possible good that could possibly come out of my basement taken on water, but but uh, it gets into this question of like what's really good in the long run, um, and and it's, it's it's a whole long conversation, but but you can you can look back and see things that I was felt quite inconvenienced by at the time, and I was quite resistant to. Now that I have a different, a more mature perspective, I can look back and see, wow, that that is okay. And if, if, and it's, it's one way that I can try to metabolize this stuff is to look in terms of what's temporary and what's eternal and mm. character development. According to Swedenborg, character development is eternal and er, material conditions are temporary. So even if, um, let's say my basement floods and a couple of things that I don't want to get destroyed are destroyed um, and it costs me money and everything else. It's not to say that doesn't hurt and that that's not something that we should try to help each other with and alleviate. But if in the process of that, I learn something about trust and I learn something about humility or whatever else are these um, essential spiritual characteristics, that's going to contribute to my long-term happiness in a way that keeping the basement intact but keeping my ego mind intact never would have. Does that make sense? Oh, makes total sense. Yeah. In fact, I got a message from him today. I'm just sitting here saying, oh, my gosh, this is exactly the the, the kind of thing he was talking about. Uh, it's very cool stuff. So how do you try to apply this idea in your daily life? How do we do that? Yep. So there's a couple of things um, that uh, – are helpful or what I would call it separator tools. And I would say, if you're going to go out and try to use these tools, don't expect a hundred percent results. Like I can get, and what I mean is sometimes it's just too hard to try to look for the good. You're, and is this going to work? And I, I get partial results with these cause I'm a work in progress like everyone is. But I would say that the things that are, are the least compatible with trusting divine providence are ego based stuff which is particularly concerns for my own eminence and reputation and concerns for my, you know, my material comfort. So if I'm going to get a working trust of Providence, I can't say like, Hey God, I trust that you're always going to make me more and more rich and powerful and nothing's going to go wrong for me because mm -hmm. that's just not going to happen. <laughs> it hasn't happened. But, but when I, when I adopt these particular principles that Swedenborg, um, that Swedenborg advocates, which 
One of which being that the, God is actually working to pull us to to happiness and to eternal happiness, and doing that through introducing that, that eternal happiness consists in mutual love. So the joy that I feel in helping and doing something useful and productive and knowing that I'm making a difference for somebody, that's, that's the happiness that's going to grow and last. The happiness that it comes from uh, winning or, you know, uh, getting the last word in or considering myself superior to other people, that, that doesn't last. And that's actually what Providence is trying to pull out. So if I step back a little bit and frame life in that, and, and the, the flip side of this is that, you know, growing up, like when I was a teenager or something, like my whole, my whole life was how popular am I? How cool am I? What, have I got the right stuff? And I thought that because I had to look out for myself, you know, that, that we all are just kind of plunked into this world and how much value do we have and you got to maximize yours. But if I can relax and think, okay, God, it's almost like God is my agent, that God is going, like, like you trust your, uh, like a, somebody trusts their agent to set up the right things for them and, and, and get the right gigs going, um, mm-hmm. that God is actually looking out for my best development. And the key piece is I don't actually know what the best development for me is. <laughs> and because as, as soon yes. as I, yeah, as soon as I trust that, hey, there could be, that, that I don't even, that, that, that the divine loves me and is going to put me in a better place than I would even have put myself in if I could do anything I wanted. That's, and I, I, I believe that that's probably true because I look back now on the things I used to want and I realize if I had gotten those, my life would, would no, be nowhere good. So I've been wrong before. How do I know I'm not wrong now? Perfect. Wow. Hmm. We're coming up to a break, but we still have about a minute to go. I don't want to start a whole oh. new question. I know. I saw. I knew the break was coming up, so I'm trying to wrap it up in time, but I did a little bit early. Okay. So we're going. When we come back, we're going to talk about which ideas of him you particularly consider messages of hope. This is the the message. Messages of Hope radio show. So I'm going to put you on the spot there, Curtis. So get to thinking about. Sure. Which of Swedenborg's messages give us more hope? When we come back, we can take callers if you're up for that, Curtis. Does that sound good to you? Sounds great. Okay, because I know we have several people out there that really love his work. And so for all of you, this is your chance to ask a Swedenborg expert anything you'd like to know and i'm going to give you that number now so be sure to write it down the number is to call in 816-251-3555 we're talking with curtis child of the swedenborg foundation so i hope you'll all come back with us after the break we're going to continue talking about swedenborg and divine providence and find out how that works in with messages of hope Listening to Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, Honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate. Because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking. To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times. And the family cards are two decks one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop. Or call 1-800-24-UNITY, Monday through Friday. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Welcome back indeed. And if you're just joining us, our guest today is Curtis Childs, who is the digital media producer at the Swedenborg Foundation. And I found Curtis after 
digging into the life of Emanuel Swedenborg when he showed up in my awareness one day from the other side, telling me all about himself and the things he told me turned out to be true. And he did tell me that he has been a member of my group of guides, Sanaya, for coming up on 10 years now, and I never knew it. So it's fascinating, fascinating to me. Curtis, you um, host a weekly web series on the YouTube channel about Swedenborg that's called Off the Left Eye. Off the Left Eye. What is that all about? <laughs> You're not the first person to ask that question, believe it or not. We get it from people coming across us on YouTube all the time. We get people who discover our channel and people have had all kinds of theories. Is that some kind of a cult reference? Is it, uh, it has to do with the Illuminati or something? It's been all over the map. And the, really, the, the story of the title is rooted in how the channel began. So this was back when, um, actually before I started working for Swedenborg Foundation, um, I was making this YouTube channel uh, for uh, another Swedenborgian organization and I was trying to get a lot of exposure for Swedenborg's ideas quickly. So I ventured on, at the time, actually, this was 2011, I didn't know that much about YouTube. I, I just knew it was like a casual place you go to, like if some funny accident happens, people take a video of that and put it on YouTube. I thought it was like a, <laughs> like a relatively shallow place and, and there wasn't much there. But I began searching around and I found out that there was actually an, an incredibly large and robust conversation around the greater questions of spirituality. And one place where it really hit a flashpoint was this large-scale debate on the existence of God. You had people arguing that, that the idea of God didn't make sense and it was illogical and other people trying to argue back. And what I was noticing is these, these videos were, were low production value and they were getting huge amounts of views. And I saw sort of a gap in the conversation where I felt like, oh, Swedenborg's ideas could really help here. So I decided I would make a YouTube channel. But I was also trying to think of how are you going to introduce a Swedenborg to something like an unknown like YouTube? Because Swedenborg has some branding issues. He's a <laughs> con what I would call a combination of flavors that very few people are going to be ready for right away. And this is because he has got a heavy Christian element to him. He'll use words like, you know, he'll talk about Jesus Christ, he'll talk about heaven and hell, and these very Christian-sounding terms, but, but he also is talking about spirits and uh, out-of-body travel and all kinds of things that your average, uh, or a lot of Christians might not necessarily want to do, but then the people who are interested in out-of-body travel stuff may not be interested in Christian theology. But then on top of that, you've got all this philosophical stuff and scientific terms so it's just a tough thing for people to get into so i thought but but really he's sort of none of the above because or or i would really say all of the above the the, the description of reality that he's putting forward finds a way that all these things are pieces of the puzzle of, of what the true nature of existence is so i'm thinking how do we get people to give this a chance without triggering because i don't know who they are how are we not going to trigger them when they first come in so they won't have baggage. So I thought about, I was trying to name the channel almost like you would name a band. Now, this is just, <laughs> it's a phrase. It doesn't have, um, it doesn't have religious overtones for those who don't want it. It doesn't have other kinds of overtones for people who, who are looking for something different. And so what I did was I just started opening the nearby Swedenborg books and flipping through them. And I came across a couple of phrases. And one of the early ones I came across was off the left eye. And this comes out of a story 
Swedenborg tells in two places. I found it in his book, Heaven and Hell. There's also it in the first volume of his work, Secrets of Heaven, where he is just being shown the death process, that what it's like to die and cross over to the other side. So he says that he his body was, he wasn't actually in physical danger like a lot of modern near-death experiences report, but he was having a similar uh, similar experience that he was going on. He said his body was put down into a state where it was inoperative, but his consciousness was still allowed to keep running so that he could catalog and, and report. And at first, after he, he felt his spirit kind of separating out from his body, and at first his uh, spiritual senses were inoperative, and he was could tell, though, that he was among what he called uh, celestial angels or the, the deepest you know spiritual beings or guides and they were just communicating like directly with the heart there was a very close connection there but he was still in a sort of um not a sleep but a kind of a meditative state there but as he began to wake up and start to uh, you know uh, be have a, um, a closer or more tactile in interaction with the spiritual world around him he came among this group of what he called spiritual angels, which were more intellectually focused or more experientially focused, and they opened his spiritual eyes for him. So he said it seemed like a covering was rolled off of his left eye, and that's what gave him the use of his spiritual sight. So in so I just picked it because it sounded cool, but in retrospect, it does. <laughs> it, 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 um, it does actually have a really good meaning because what he, the process of getting that thing rolled off his left eye and in the left eye everything spiritual is about is has symbolism to it according to swedenborg so the left side swedenborg actually preempted modern science he he was describing the hemispheres of the brain and their relation to the the intellectual the emotional side of us well before it was established science and he got this information from his spiritual experiences so the left eye is a symbol of the intellectual things or the ideas um, or truths, as he would put it. So to what we're trying to do as a YouTube channel is give you ideas. You know, we can't give you emotions necessarily, but we can give you ideas. So we're trying to pull that, the covering off the left eye and then the right, the right eye or the right side, which would be um, living by ideas. That's up to everyone else to, to go out to do. So we're, we're trying to, pull, you know, do, do things off get things off the left eye so we can see life as it is. So that's the story of the channel name. That's outstanding. I love it. And I can see why you chose a band name because looking up your picture online, more pictures of you playing a guitar than anything else on there. <laughs> I dabbled <laughs> in it yeah, back in the day. All right. So let's get on with the discussion. This show is the messages of hope radio show. And you said that some of Swedenborg's messages, you actually consider them messages of hope. Why don't you start with uh, one of them? Sure. Well, um, I am going to go back to when you were saying, you know, what are your, what are your favorite ideas? And I talked about, uh, you don't believe everything you think, which he never uses that phrase. He never uses any English phrase. He wrote in Latin and, you know, it's been translated variously over the year because in his day, Latin was the standard language for scientific discoveries. It was the sort of the, the language of the, the educated. So, um, but he, this Swedenborg explored this great big spiritual world. So this would be the place where people can, you know, go, our consciousness survives death, and that's the place where it is. But he described, uh, you know, a spiritual world and a physical world 
that are that are intimately and closely linked to each other. There's a quote of his where I'll paraphrase it, where he says that people think about the spirit. People, well, they're, well, they're alive here. People think about the spiritual world like some bird that's that's flying off far away. Like, oh, there's yeah, there's something out there, and maybe we'll go there someday. He he said mm-hmm. that actually the spiritual world is so close. It's like a, a beautiful bird of paradise right in front of your face. It's so close that its feathers are are brushing against your cheek. That that's how that's how it's right here with us. And not only that, but the influence of the spiritual world can be perceived by us. You can't perceive it. And by us, I mean, obviously, you and your videos, you're, ha- you're having all kinds of direct contact with the spiritual world. But for even for people who aren't having, like, overt experiences like that, um, mm-hmm. we are actually experiencing the spiritual world all the time we're not experiencing it physically. Like we're not experiencing it in the feeling of picking something up or what something looks like, but in our thoughts and feelings, we are, we are getting the influence of the spiritual world. And he laid out this whole picture of just like, it's actually, it's funny. I wrote a paper about this once in college, but the world that he described, the way he describes the spiritual world is a lot like the world that the internet is creating now. You know, he talks (laughs) about, thought bringing presence, you know, the ability to, you know, move at the speed of thought, which now when you want to know something, it's right there for you. He also talked about communities that formed based on people having this similar kinds of love and wisdom, which now it's like any kind of, any, any group or any worldview that you could possibly have, there's a community of people out there doing that. And similar though, there's been so much conversation recently about the way that media messages and advertising messages and political messages are affecting people and the way it's shaping how they see the world. He said that, that not only you know, are we being shaped by, the, ex, the, by the, the articles we read and the, the radio shows we listen to, but also the spiritual world is, is affecting our beliefs and thoughts and, and the, the messages we get in our head and that sort of thing. So this I love hearing that, that because this is absolute yeah. truth to my experience that the the guides and those loved ones who I connect with tell us that we often think our thoughts are our own, but they're influenced and inspired by higher consciousness. So he was uh, definitely tuned in. Yeah. Okay, exactly. And so picture me, um, you know, a super depressed 20, 20 year old and, and the, the experience of depression. And it's not like I'm over it all the way now. I'm still getting, still getting, you know, these same kind of things. You get these, these thoughts and feelings come to you that are making you miserable. And it's just, it's almost like uh, you, somebody's sitting there talking to you. You don't hear an audible voice, but you just get these messages of fear about something that's going to happen, some kind of critical thought about yourself, some kind of worrying thought about other people, some kind of concern for how trajectory is going to go, disturbing emotions, all this stuff. You, because it's inside your consciousness, and you just think, oh, my consciousness is an island that just perceives truth. You just There's no other explanation than this stuff is disturbing because it's true. It's because reality is disturbing. So I'm just observing what's true. And the problem is reality, I'm, I'm just in a really bad spot. But as soon as Swedenborg started describing this spiritual world influence and all the negative influences he got, all these like spiritual influences that were trying to mess with him and cut them down and pick them apart in various ways. Suddenly that gave me the leverage to think, wow, well, just because this is in my mind doesn't mean 
I need to, it's like get, get street smart in your mind that we will we'll be real uh, cautious about what kind of people we talk to in the world and we'll be real cautious about how we absorb information. If like, you know, if we're reading an article, we'll think about, well, does this, does this person really know what they're talking about? Who's writing this article? What kind of, what's their political leaning? What's their education? What are their credentials? Is this a reputable site? We, we vet all that stuff before we believe it and then we think about it. But when we get something in the mind, we just, oh yeah, the, I, I thought that so it's probably true. Or I get a conf- confirming feeling at the same time, so it must be true. It gave me the, the liberty to say, I'm going to scrutinize that stuff that comes in the same way I would scrutinize anything else. And then, and, and that, there, that there was a, just because something is against me doesn't mean that it's, it's true that there's a motive for these thoughts and feelings to be trying to cut me down. So that is the, that was the missing piece. And it's not like then suddenly all the storm stopped, but suddenly you got a paddle, you know, and I can choose my own direction better. And uh, that, that was one I, I continue to evolve in my understanding of what that is and how to apply it. But that was a huge, it might seem like, it seems like a really weird idea at first to the practical mind of, oh, there's an influence in your thoughts and feelings from the spiritual world. And at first, when I first read it in him, I was like this, I don't really like that. I don't think that's, I don't, you know, I didn't really think it was, I, I didn't like the idea of it. But now it's like my favorite thing. And that's, again, this is, in retrospect, I would have said at the time, no, I don't want that to be true. But now I'm so glad that it is, which is kind of this, like, Providence knows what it's doing thing. So I'm, I'm tying that a little bit in as well. But that's that's definitely one that on the surface seems strange, but has become a message of hope. And really, that's like a microcosm of the whole Swedenborg experience. On the surface, it seems strange. You get in there, what's he talking about, the celestial, the spiritual, the natural? What's he talking about, associate spirits and societies and things? But once you understand the, the picture of what he's saying and start to apply it to life, it comes with this peace and this hope that it's very hard for me to find in anything else. So that's why I'm still on YouTube, just, you know, chatting and chatting about it. Because uh, uh, I think it's, <laughs> It's got that leverage. It it comes back to the, the basis of all the teaching that I share based on having discovered that we live on beyond this life, that there's the story here and then there's the soul's awareness of this greater reality. When we can tap into that, it gives us that higher perspective. So how about some more messages of hope from Swedenborg? Sure. Um, I think the... Uh, that there's uh, permanent development. So that you not only like a lot, there's a lot of talking about how a lot of sources will say that you consciousness survives the death of the body. And then a lot will say that consciousness survives forever. That consciousness is eternal, that, that you're, you're, you're always going to be living. But Swedenborg also says that there's this one quote where he says that, each stage that we're in is almost just like an egg compared to the, the bird that I'm using another bird correspondence, but that, that hatches afterwards. So if you think about the difference between um, childhood or infancy and childhood, you know, and just thinking about the, all the new possibilities that open up in childhood, your, your first brush with your sense of autonomy, the bet more understanding. And I, you know, I have a, uh, a two-year-old who I'm just starting to watch her, you know, cross from infancy into childhood. And there's all these new possibilities with it. 
And you think about that going into adolescence and, in the, you know, on the positive side, this amazing new ability to accomplish things and, and think more deeply and then into adulthood and full autonomy and being able to, to start to affect the world in ways that you want and have means and do things. But there's this amazing progression that that, that continues, that, we, that I don't have to worry so much about, oh, did I do everything that I wanted to do? Did I accomplish everything I wanted to accomplish? Because it's a marathon that you're going to continue to accomplish those things and that you're going to be going towards things that you didn't even know, that this is that, that pole of divine providence that, that um, God is interested in making us happy. And it's not because before it seemed like, man, I got to look out for myself and I've got to like protect myself against this big, um, big unfeeling sort of mechanistic universe that I'm one of billions and billions of people in that, that instead, no, there's this, there's this undercurrent that is constantly interested in making me happier and with, with real uh, constructive ongoing happiness than, than I could ever think of um, that puts everything in perspective and it, it gives me the ability to, when I get concerns and fears that are trying to paint the other picture to stand up to them. And it's interesting well, that, that Swedenborg yeah. is, yeah, go ahead. Well, what would Swedenborg say? Because uh, I can hear some of our listeners right now saying, wait a minute, you're saying we move from childhood to adolescence to adulthood, and some people are ready for a break after this life, and they're just thinking, don't tell me I have to then keep working. I'm working to ever, you know, more and more stages afterwards, and and the, our messages of hope is that life is eternal, but what would Swedenborg say about the next stage? Is it just going to be more work? think um so work isn't work if it's work that you love can be the most relaxing thing that there is or that that's how it seemed to me like there's a difference between yeah i go home and i'm like oh it's been raining for two weeks and now now so i haven't been able to mow the lawn in that time now i gotta mow and now all these things are over like that's work but like when I get to um, come into my job here at Swedenborg Foundation and we're working on a project that I feel like is really meaningful and I'm excited to be doing it and I'm enjoying my interactions with my coworkers, um, that I feel great. And it's not like the, the seasons, the seasons of things don't cease. Like I, I wouldn't feel great if I was just working and working and that's all that I, ever did what actually some of the best feeling I have is like, I just like, and not every work day is like this, but like I just finished the day and I feel really good about what I accomplished. And now I'm going home to spend time with my family and relax and, and do something like, or it's the weekend and we're going to relax here. So those like that, that cycle of rest, but rest within, within something meaningful there you go. is like the, this true peace, you know, and, and um, there, but there's a kind of combat that we don't have to go through anymore after this life. That Swedenborg has this uh, amazing quote that all unrest is from what he calls evil and falsity. So it's all from stuff that um, misguided desires and things that aren't true. That that, that there's that's what because so much of this the labor of my life has been in coping with um, concepts and, and things that are disturbing to me, but that in, when, when we leave this world, you, you're no longer having that attrition of 
false concepts, um, harmful desires coming in and messing with everything. It's like, like imagine um, how it would feel physically if suddenly every ailment your body had was gone. This is like all the viruses or, or bacteria, or you got like a place where you broke your knee a few years ago and it still hurt. If all that was suddenly removed, what a joy it would be. I would like, no, I want to move around now. You know, I want to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would imagine that, that it's like, it's sort of like that. And it's not to say that, yeah, that there isn't plenty of rest, but that, that there is also, that there's not, it's not static and it's not um, like, hey, because there's sort of this like this syndrome of, of uh, look back and like, oh, your best days were, you know, when you're 20 something, did you really live your, your great life then? Like people get that. That's sort of a pop culture thing to say, oh, you know, if I could go back to being 16 or 17, that's when it was really great, you know. Um, but the message that I take out of it is no, man, it's not. That's not when it was really great. It's the really great is what's next. And it's always going to be better, more restful, but also more meaningful and more, um, more exciting. The next thing you're never going to be looking in the rear view mirror at your happiest times. So this brings up a point. I really, uh, this is an important one to make for those of you listening who, who want so much to believe in an afterlife and Swedenborg believed in that. The topic today is divine providence, how all the elements in our lives, even those that seem chaotic and negative in the end can turn out for good. So many of the people I bring through from the spirit world pass through a drug overdose or, or a life that wasn't pleasant or uh, we could go on and on about that. But the point is there, there's, family who remains may say, well, that didn't turn out for the good. But the point here is that life is eternal. So we can't just say that the end of this life was the end. There is more beyond it. And that's where the message of hope is, that life just keeps going and better things lie ahead. Would you agree with that, Curtis? Yeah, you can never balance the equation if you don't add in the life after death aspect. Exactly. So I would, I would say that um, when, when I was six, my family was in a car accident and my older sister died in that. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time, it's just like, it's just this horrific end of everything, you know, and my parents going through this in, in unimaginable grief and then our, the whole dynamic, everything, um, you know, and you just think like this is, this is just not something that could ever you could ever recover from. And I'm not I'm never gonna say like, oh that was good, like that was a good move. And it's not Swedenborg doesn't say like God is saying, okay, I'm gonna make this terrible thing happen now. The promise is that, that even if there's things that are unavoidable, that in the end everything is going to be okay and actually be even better than it was going to be. So I can't it's not like my life here I'll ever not miss her or not, you know, have some emotional flaws that go back to that or that, that my parents will ever fully get over that or our family will be the same. But, and, and this is something my parents now uh, agree with that I could see a time in which the the relationship that I'm going to have with her, with, with Annika, my sister, when I see her on the other side, it's going to be different because we were developing differently, but Maybe that's the best relate. Maybe we're going to have a special kind of happiness there. I obviously had a very different life because she was gone and the pain that I went through, and suddenly I'm the oldest kid. And I'm, but I could see like what does, how did that affect who I am now? And, and 
even though I'm, it's caused a tremendous amount of pain, is did I learn? Is part of that pain of that why I began looking for answers and why now I can be part of this YouTube thing that other people are getting help from? And is how much happier is our family going to be to get back together? And are we going to have gained something by being reunited? And if you're talking about life going forever, in a thousand years, are we going to remember that blip? You know, when, when we were apart. So. It's, yeah, I'm not trying to say that, that that's not a horrible thing and it doesn't hurt, but I'm just saying I could picture in the end saying, like, not like, oh, that didn't matter, it was fine, but, like, I could picture us all at a moment being like, everything's okay. We're all okay, and actually life is better than, than I could imagine. Exactly. So why don't you wrap up for us, and we have just less than a minute, anything that you want to say about divine providence? Um that divine providence is is something that takes a long time to trust and it can and you're never going to like you're always going to feel like oh I'm lapsing like I should be trusting this thing I'm not but it does feel really good to try to start to build that relationship of trust with God and to say like okay this really doesn't seem like it uh but could there be something good and I would say you you start with little things like I lost my checkbook this morning and I couldn't find it at a time when I needed it. I didn't do very well, but the thought was in my mind of like, somehow this is going to be okay. And that makes every uh, unpleasant circumstance a chance for a little bit of spiritual growth. So I would perfect, say perfect. That's a way Thank you, you Curtis. We're out bit. of time, but everybody check out his work, Swedenborg.org, and check the YouTube channel off the left eye. Thank you so much, Curtis. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.